Welcome to Light Steps Live. Our mission is to open the Word of God to edify the believer and evangelize the world, that people who follow Jesus can walk in the light as He is in the light. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded, and their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasure in the last days. Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which was kept back by fraud, are crying out against you, and the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts." You have lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. Mm, Tough stuff. And immediately, immediately, we're thinking of whoever the rich person is in our view. Um, like someone to me would be Jeff Bezos. Um, I think I read somewhere that he was worth like $130 billion or Bill Gates or uh, or um, what, what was the guy who had the very short run for, for president um, uh, just a few months ago. His name just slipped my mind all of a sudden. He was uh, way richer than, than Donald Trump. And Donald Trump, uh, has, they say, is worth, you know, four and a half billion dollars. It's hard for me to even fathom that kind of money. We tend to think that they we're talking about those kind of people or some spoiled athlete who's making, you know, uh, millions of dollars per year to play a ball game for part of the year. Uh, we tend to think of those people. We think of some huge industrialist from the past, uh, you know, a, a, Vanda, a Vanderbilt or a Rockefeller or Carnegie or someone like that. We tend to think of, of wealth as, um, as something that's distant from ourselves. And so we read that and we go, that's right. Get those rich people to howl and moan. That's right. The problem is the, the likelihood that you're counted among the rich is pretty high. I won't spend a lot of time on it. You can actually look it up for yourself. But um, but uh, let, let me give just a taste, a taste. I did just a little bit of homework. You know, there are 689 million people on the face of this planet living uh, on less than two bucks a day. Um, and that's not, I mean, that's two bucks for their whole entire living. Um, almost 25% of the world lives on just over $3 a day. The, the average household income worldwide, that means not, not U.S., not U.S. That's a very weird number. If you look up U.S., um, it's, it's the household income is somewhere between 43 and 65,000. Depends on who you ask. And that's all self-reported. In other words, how many people were honest with the government? Um, but the worldwide, um, the worldwide household income average is $9,733. Um, I read somewhere one time that if you have loose change somewhere, you know, cash money, loose change, a dollar, you know, some coins. If you have some money somewhere in your house, you have more money on hand than, 
um, the majority of the world. At, at one time, it was about 80%, but now that same statistic is about 60%. In other words, we're, we're growing and reducing world prop poverty. But the point here isn't to extol all the virtues of all this being done to reduce world poverty. That would be a good series of of um, sessions to hold i can tell you that my point is if you're listening to me if you're if you're watching me today if you're listening to me today you are likely part of the top percentage of people uh in the world wealth wise uh and it's and it's sort of it's sort of tough to swallow that it's sort of tough to swallow that. For example, if your if your personal income, for example, is sixty percent, um, then you're 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 right at the top. I mean, excuse me. If your if your personal income is sixty thousand dollars American dollars, then you're right at that one percent of the world. That, that's that's sort of. I mean, you're just below the one percent of the world. If you're at sixty, if your household income is at eighty percent, I mean, eighty thousand dollars. If your household income is at eighty thousand dollars, you are you are in the top five percent of people on the planet. And so, um, you know, uh, if you're making if your household your entire household income is is a uh, you know ninety seven hundred dollars a year, then you're at the world average average. You're at the median. And so it's it's sort of funny to think you know that. Um, that um, we're, we're, we're generally, the people listening to me today are generally a lot more wealthy than we think of ourselves, generally. Um, a lot more wealthy than we think of ourselves. Uh, uh, it, it's, 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 no, it's no doubt in my mind that if you, were, if you were to just go on a few websites and look at world poverty stati- statistics, you would be blown away. So we may we may hear we may hear James's words here in James chapter number um, five verses one through six. We may hear them and we may be tempted to think, yes, God, go get those rich people. The problem is God may be coming to get us. <laughs> um, j- just think about that. You know, um, uh the the other couple of statistics I'd like to throw out that work in tandem. If you you know if you make ten thousand dollars a year, um, you're in the uh, you're in the you're in the top sixteen percent of the world population. So if you make uh, ten thousand dollars a year, you're the top six. I mean that that boggles my mind. I often think about what I don't have. Um, but when I when I begin to put it into perspective of what poverty really looks like, what world income looks like, it's it's mind boggling. Um, it's totally mind boggling. Um, if you make twenty thousand dollars a year, uh, if your household makes that, you're in the you're in the top four percent of the people in the world. So so there's a twelve percent separation between ten and twenty thousand dollars. In other words, the disparity is in cra- is crazy. Now. I don't say that, you know, just to belabor the point or try to make somebody feel bad. The truth is this warning goes out to the vast majority of people. Um, this warning goes out to the vast majority of people in our culture, in our society. This warning goes out because because 
Um, money tends to worldliness. Money tends to boasting. And in James 4, that's what we have been warned about, worldliness and boasting. This money tends to self-reliance. This money tends to self-indulgence. But I think the biblical contention would be that God has blessed us to be a blessing. And if we're not being a blessing, then then we've got a problem. Um, you look at all that's been going on the last few months in our in our country, in our culture, in our society, and in the world. You look at all that's been going on, and and a lot of what we're really upset about is our comfort has been challenged. Our comfort has been challenged, and. Um, and so I think we should hear these few simple warnings from the Apostle James, and I, I think we should take them to heart. I think we should begin to wrestle with these things. Um, if you're a person who, who um, let, let's say you're one of those people whose entire household is, is $60,000 a year, okay? Your entire household, $60,000 a year. And uh, let's say you're faithful in your local church and you tithe and your local church is, you know, is engaged with with all sorts of uh, things involving the gospel and world relief. Let's say on top of that, let's say on top of that, you have a couple of things that you really care about and you're involved with. OK, and let's say that you're super aggressive. You tithe to your local church and then you give about another 10 percent away to other things. Let's say you're super smart and you're and you're um um saving 10% a month. Uh let's say you're you're really aggressive and you're investing 10% a month. Um so if you if you've done the math with me, okay? And remember I use that $60,000 a year number as a household income cuz that still puts you in the top 2% of the people in the world. $60,000 top 2% of the people in the world. You ready? You still with me? And what I've just suggested is, is, is in essence, saving, investing, uh, 20% and giving away 20%. You know what? Do you know what you still have? You still have $36,000. You know that $36,000 still would put you in the top 8% of the world. So, I mean, you have the ability to live. You have the ability to live as a household better than 92% of the people in the world. You have ability to pursue a greater, greater health, um, uh, better food choices, more comfortable and more secure housing, on and on and on, right? And so, yes, I have taken all these moments to, to just frame our thinking because I believe what God wants us to do is, is, is to, is to be very wise stewards so that we can be generous, really generous, that we can truly use what we have to bless others in the name of Jesus. And, um, and so, yeah, you may not feel rich, uh, next to Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates or, uh, Andrew Carnegie or, or whoever you're, your mental measure is. I mean, you read about an athlete getting $25 million a year and you go, wow, I'm nowhere near that. But by the world standards, 
Um, we're, we're very blessed here in our culture. Now, I don't know where you are. You could be one of these people who's below that 10,000 marker. You could be one of these people that would be labeled in poverty. And you, 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 you know, you really need to live in a community of engaged believers who know about your situation and can love you over those obstacles. It takes humility on our part. It takes a willingness to, to be vulnerable and transparent. It also takes a, a, the willingness of people around us to love us well and, and, and afford us dignity while they help us. And, and if there's obstacles that we personally have, it takes a willingness to grow and overcome those obstacles. You know, for example, if somebody's lazy, you got to overcome that. I mean, you could literally be living where you're living because you're being how you're being. Um, but, but sometimes the obstacles aren't that simple. Um, sometimes it's, it's, uh, it's deeper than that. And, and living in community and facing these things takes a lot of bravery on all sides. And so if you're one of those ones and you happen to be listening to me, you happen to be watching me and you say, I, I am not one of those top 16% people. I'm not one of those top 12% people. I'm not one of those top 8% people. I'm not one of those top 2% people. I'm, I'm, I'm part of that. I'm part of that crowd that's in the 84% and I'm, I'm down here on the lower part of that. Well, brothers and sisters, I urge you to, to, to get into community and be transparent about where you are and trust the body of Christ to come around you and, and bless you and take care of you. All right. There's what I believe are four super clear warnings that I'm going to give pretty quick. I've set the stage. Now we can receive the warnings. Okay. Let's go back and look at verses one through three. Now listen very carefully at, at, at what the apostle James under the direction of the Holy Spirit realizes about the potential trouble of riches. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded, and their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasure in the last days. You know, here, here we see that our wealth can come up to us as a testimony against how we lived with it and used it. Actually, actually our wealth, our wealth may be part of what is uh, used as a witness against us in how well we lived out our faith. So that's tough, but we need to receive that warning. Uh, you know, they say you can't take it with you. Um, uh, my friend Tom Gillum would always say you'll only ever have what you give away. In other words, what you've stored in heaven. And so let us let us receive this warning that that our wealth can be a testimony against how poorly we've lived with Jesus and how rich we've lived towards self. Secondly, if you pick up at verse four, it says, behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud are crying out against you. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. Now, uh, I, I don't know how many business owners we have here, how many employers, how many stockholders, shareholders. Um, they give the image of a farmer, but if you extrapolate this, you can see that it's, it can be pulled out into all kinds of workplaces. What this is really about, this is about the abuse of power. It's a warning against the abuse of power. We can abuse our power and we can mistreat others, treat others poorly. 
We can we can end the desire for profits that we pile up for self. We can fail to watch over our fellow man. Um, and, you know, that's how many, many, many labor unions have sprung up. They see, you know, they see the working man, you know, busting his knuckles and the other guy getting richer and richer and richer. And while there may not be an outright fraud going on, the challenge to the person in power is how are you treating the workers? Now, it doesn't have to be just about money. If you're a supervisor, how are you treating the workers? Are you watching out for them? Are you caring for them? Uh, you, you know, you have to demand they do their job, but are you delighting in loving them as a person? You know, that's that's a real challenge. Now, don't forget, this all comes on the heels of James chapter four, which is said, watch out for worldliness, which is said, watch out for boasting. Right, we're these humble people who say, you know, we're we're in this world. We say to ourselves, we're in this world to serve the living God and to care for our fellow man. And so we're going to humbly do that. And uh, one thing, the pursuit of money, the protection of money, um, the power behind money can do is it can make us abuse uh, the position of the power we've been given. Thirdly, thirdly, verse five. Now, now, get verse five as you juxtapose it against verse four. There's these mistreated workers who are now crying out, right? Now look at verse five. Uh, you have lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in the day of slaughter. Now, the real condemnation here is it's, is it's, uh, it's self-indulgent. You go back to my one of, one of my several opening illustrations, right? It's several opening illustrations. You go back to the one where I say, you know, um, we, we, we could really be strategic with our money. You know, again, think about that, that, that household that makes $60,000. Give 10% to our local church. Give 10% to other causes we're passionate about. Uh, save 10% every month. Uh, invest 10% every month. You still, you know, do the math. You know, that's 10%, 10%, 10%, 10 That's $24,000 out of $60,000. Still living on $36,000, okay? Now, I think the problem we have is every time we get a bump up, we say to ourselves, how can I do what I want to do? How can I get more uncomfortable? How can I get more comfortable? How can I do more things that make me happy? How can I do more that I can enjoy? How can I get this and get that? And I think when, you know, when we're found faithful, what we have, God gives increase so that we can be more faithful um, toward his work, his mission, toward the pain, the hurt and the suffering in the world. I don't think I don't think we get blessed just so we can bless ourselves. We're blessed to be a blessing to others. So the problem, the problem of wealth, one of the many problems is it can make us really self-centered, self-indulgent. And, and there he says, he says, you know, you treated the workers this way, but you treated yourself well. The, the joke I always make here, and it's a joke, joke worth making. You know, um, let's say, let's say you love Dr. Pepper. You know, and I, I do love Dr. Pepper. I haven't drank one in years, but I, it's that and Mountain Dew, probably my favorite soda pops. You know, let's say you, you love Dr. Pepper. Um, what, what do we typically do? Um, we, we, we buy Dr. Pepper, right? Um, we don't typically, typically most of us, we don't go to a restaurant and if they, they, we say, I'd like Dr. Pepper. 
And they say, we don't have Dr. Pepper. We have Mr. Perky or whatever. You know, one of those off brands. We go, that'll be fine. We know we want Dr. Pepper. We go to the store, we buy Dr. Pepper. But if they were to have a food drive at church, we'd carry, we, we take Mr. Perky. You know, we take that or, or maybe or maybe, you know, you say, I'm going to get my uh, I'm going to get myself the the Van Camp's pork and beans, but I'm going to get them the store brand pork and beans. I, I'm going to, you know, buy for myself, um, you know, um, whatever name brand you love. I'm going to get myself the Kellogg's Frosted Flakes, but I'm going to get them the. Uh, you know, the store brand Frosted Flakes. We do that stuff. We are typically richer toward ourselves than we are towards others. And, and, and that reveals something about us. Now, I'm not saying necessarily that you should go out and start drinking Mr. Perky, right? Maybe you should. But I'm saying if you want to give yourself Mr. Perky, then then give others Mr. Perky. If you give yourself Dr. Pepper, give them Dr. Pepper. We got to learn to at least minimum, minimum be as good to others as we'd be to ourselves. Think about what I'm saying. Um, think about what I'm saying. I, you know, we see a homeless person. Here's what we'll do. We'll go, uh, and I saw this the other day, literally saw it. Saw a guy standing on the corner and uh, we were going out for a family celebration. We went to this super nice Japanese steakhouse named Konki, right? And, uh, and, uh, and I saw someone else giving the guy on the corner a McDonald's bag. You know, I, I didn't even bring him the McDonald's bag, but it's funny. You think about it. here we're on the corner with all these nice restaurants and somebody's going there in this four-way intersection to go to one of those nice restaurants they're going to feed this other guy mcdonald's you know and and uh i was preparing for this lesson when i saw that and i went there's another illustration there we see it all over the time all over the place all the time all over the place we are usually self-indulgent with what we have and then the natural progression it seems according to james is we will get we'll get pretty mean about it there's another warning Look at James chapter five, verse six. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. That is super strong language, super strong language. In other words, the warning is that when we are, when we are, we withhold fairness from people, when we are self-indulgent and not generous towards others, that what we are doing is hurting other people. Now, somebody would say, I'm not hurting anybody. I work for what I got. They need to get out and work for what they got too. Okay, you know, you work with what you got because God has made you healthy. God has given you the opportunity. No one pulls himself up only by their bootstraps. We stand on the shoulders of a lot of people who have helped us. And we stand in the position that God has given us. Now, I know, you know, if you'll go back and, and, and listen um, to the beginning, I, I know, I know that stuff like this makes people wrestle, makes people wrestle. And it's very difficult to face that we could be part of the problem. We, we could be part of the, the world wealthy. Now, we're not the television wealthy. We're not wealthy by those those high standards of of industrialists and athletes and actors and huge business people. We're we're not wealthy in their standards, but compared to the vast majority of the world, many of us are wealthy. And I think God would challenge what we're doing with our wealth. Are we being rich toward God or are we being rich toward self? Now let me say this last thing in closing. Okay, the heart's a movable object. Whatever we treasure, that's what we're going to care about. That's what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount. 
right? Where your, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And if we're rich towards self, our heart is on self. But if we will learn to be rich toward others, our hearts will be on others. If we learn to be rich toward the Lord, our hearts will be for the Lord. And I think what needs to happen is a revival of our priorities and our concerns. We, we, you know, I'm praying that God raise up rock rib men and women of God who care about the gospel, who care about the local church, who care about the work of God, uh, you know, right where they stand and around the world. Rock real men and women of God who have a global view of things. In other words, they care about it globally and they act locally. And I, I know, I know that God puts in our hands everything we're given to steward. Time, talent, treasures, all of that stuff. And he means for us to be a blessing to others. And that's the question. That's really the question. Are we taking what God has put in our care and being a blessing to others? Or are we just rich toward self? Thank you for joining us on Light Steps Live today. My name is Katie Bose, and the rest of our production team is Andrew Liggett, Shannon Allen, and Steve Riley. Music provided by Banjo Ben Clark. Connect with Banjo Ben at banjobenclark.com. Tim Bose is a pastor of East Rock Community Church and the executive director of My Life Matters, a gospel ministry with a focus on making disciples who become lifelong followers of Jesus. Discover more about My Life Matters at mylifematters.club. Music